Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, my friends, welcome to another episode. If you're new here, episodes drop every Wednesday morning, and I'm Helen. I'm an empowerment coach, meditation teacher, singer-songwriter, and I'm just so happy that you found the show. And if you've been here for a while, I can't thank you enough for your support, and it's just really an honor to come into this space with you on a weekly basis and uh, chat with these awesome guests. So we have got some really interesting and quite intense energy surrounding us right now. At the end of the week, we're going into a new moon and a solar eclipse. And I'm already feeling that like upheaval of energy. In fact, I had to get off caffeine the past few days because I was noticing like this underlying anxiety and I felt even bigger than like caffeine. You know, I was like, this just feels like really intense energy. And I think my nervous system needs it like a tone down because everything else is so ramped up and I'm seeing that come through just in like big moments. Um, so I had a session with Leo Max the other day who has also been on the podcast. He is absolutely amazing. So I had this really amazing deep dive into my subconscious with him. And one of the main themes, like the crux of our entire time together was this theme of devotion to the universe. And I've never had that word come through so strongly before, or even that idea. And, you know, in the days before meeting him, I'd actually visited a Hindu temple. Um, and I had showed up just to kind of walk around, do some meditation there. It's this gorgeous Hindu temple in Malibu that I had driven by and had never noticed that it was there before. So I went back and I showed up and it was actually Hanuman's birthday. So it was this really beautiful day of reverence for this God uh, in the Hindu tradition. And I just felt this, you know, kind of shift in me um, and just a respect for how people show their gratitude for being alive in essence. And as I was going through this session with Leo, that's what came out for me. You know, I've always wondered, like, what makes me motivated when I wake up in the morning? Why do I love creating so much? Why do I love talking with you guys like this so much? And the word devotion absolutely came through and it was a complete reframe and it brought me to tears and I was just like, yeah, I'm really fucking grateful to be alive, to be honest, and to be here and to be happy, to wake up feeling like I'm grateful and happy and, and a deep sense of peace throughout my days has been something that has not necessarily come easily to me. You know, it's been a journey of working through disordered eating, clinical depression, just like major dark nights of the soul, as I'm sure we can all relate to. So it, what a gift it is to just be alive and to be happy. So, you know, just that realization coming about kind of changed everything for me. And it really just reflects what we're going into with this eclipse portal and this energy and also, I'm going into my Saturn return. I think I'm actually in it right now. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> You'll have to DM me. Let me know if you guys are experiencing similar things going on right now and just complete paradigm shifts and new understandings of why you are the way that you are. So I thought I'd give you guys a little rundown of what's going on in my world. Maybe you're feeling the same way, but 
let's get into today's episode. We've got an awesome guest here with us today. We have Raquel Webb joining us. So she is an internationally known sound healer, Lumerian priestess, astrologer, business coach, and certified heart math mentor. What an awesome mix. She also holds a master's in traditional Chinese medicine. So Raquel is passionate about empowering her community to remember their past lives and utilize this wisdom to create innovative solutions during this potent time of transformation and healing on our planet. Her work with creatives and entrepreneurs empowers them to find the clarity and courage to share their gifts in a way that's both authentic and profitable. She has a special gift for seeing the Latin potential in her students and clients and providing the most appropriate experience to activate this potential. And most of all, she believes in the power of community to create social change. So in this episode, we talk about, we actually talk a lot about tea ceremonies and remembering who we are, the stories of Lumeria and Atlantis and all of that. So I think you guys are going to love this one, of course. And while you're listening, hit us up on Instagram. Let us know what you're learning. I'm at Helen Denham underscore and at the lifted podcast and Raquel is at I am Raquel. So thank you again for being here. I love you. And I'll talk to you on the flip side. The first question I always love to ask guests is how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? Yeah, well, it's actually so such an interesting question that you ask that is because it's actually beginning to shift. Um, and so right now I am oh, having the most beautiful love affair with tea <laughs> and um, and like specifically like the traditional side handle, um, or like leaves in a bowl and, um, gosh, it's just, I'm like swooning over it. <laughs> just all of my, my, my deep affinity for water alchemy and working with water and working with plants. And it's just, and then I have my, my, uh, past life within this lifetime of being an acupuncturist so it's bringing back all of those memories as well so yeah right now um i'm actually in um a practice of waking up um and having a tea sit and so i drink three bowls of tea in silence and uh, i'm also really working on um really work like because it's getting you know earlier and earlier the sun is rising and in the springtime here on maui the birds are just like the glorious symphony in the morning <laughs> right before the sun comes up and so i'm uh it's actually this beautiful synergy that's happening that actually so i'm drinking tea in the morning three bowls in silence and around sunset and uh i'm drinking some um Shen Pu'er. And you would think that, that would be like keeping you up, but it's actually helping you sleep. So Pu'er is actually designed to help you sleep. It depends on your constitution, of course. But so I'm actually sleeping much better and I'm actually waking up easier and easier, earlier and earlier. And it's just this really beautiful synergy that's coming through. So yeah, I, I wake up and of course, you know, feed the cat. That's the first thing. <laughs> He's incessant. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, feed the cat and then, you know, boil the water. And I'm also learning about how to, how to not boil the water, you know, and using a glass teapot 
which I just happen to already have, and learning how to attune to the water. And they have all these different names for the size of the bu bubbles in the pot as it gets uh, bigger and bigger. And so to find this perfect moment to remove it from the heat. And uh, yeah, so that's just opening up so much. And, and then after that, I like wash my face and make my bed. And then I go out in the garden and water the garden because I planted a garden about a month ago. And that's just so nourishing as well. I'm really feeling the the north node in taurus <laughs> transition that's in my fifth house and so i'm just finding playfulness and creativity in that kind of grounded embodied sensorial experience mm, is that what that north node is bringing through like that playfulness energy well the north node in taurus is bringing more this kind of like really a reevaluation of what we value, you know, what is important to us. And for me, I'm noticing that it's like a much more return to uh, moving away from kind of like less glamorous or more, okay, give my words right. Moving away from the more glamorous side of life and really coming into more of like a domestic, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, put, planting a garden, I'm making my own walnut butter, making my own macadamia nut milk, and uh, like doing seed sprouting and just this kind of <laughs> domestic kind of things. And the fifth house, so that's kind of for everybody, is just kind of more return to more earthy, grounded. It shifted from the North Node was in Gemini which was, we valued the tete-a-tete, you know, the intellectual exchange. And now, because of the amazing wisdom of the astrological cycle, we shift and we got to balance that now. And so it's like, okay, let's slow down. Let's put our feet on the earth and let's really reconnect, you know, like to what is really important to us. Mm. Um, and then the fifth house is, I said, it's funny. It's funny because I was saying like less glamorous, but the fifth house is kind of glamorous because it's ruled by Leo, but it's like, it's the house of creativity and children and playfulness. And so that was where I was weaving those together. Oh, I'd love to know that. It makes a lot of sense about what's shifting in our environments. I, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. And then do you know when that uh, portal kind of closes and we shift into the next? How long are we in this uh, portal here? Yeah. So right now the North Node is in Taurus and the South Node is in Scorpio. And that shift occurred um, with the uh, the Taurus lunar eclipse that was in it was at the end of last year so that I think was in end of November mm, yeah mm -hmm. that was the end of November was when this cycle began and then it will will be in this cycle of the north node in Taurus and the south node in Scorpio until October 2023 Oh, okay, great. Interesting. So this is a long one. This is like really a, a big process that we're going through. Yeah, the, the cycles of the nodes are usually like, I think in their very shortest, they're a year and a half, but they're around two years, maybe then two and a half. I think it can be three at the very longest. Mm -hmm. So um, this is the this is where 
when the nodes are in certain signs, that's where we will have the eclipses. Mm. Oh my gosh. The node, yeah, because the node is the the intersection between the Earth's orbit around the sun and then the moon's orbit around the Earth as it goes around the sun. Okay. This is beautiful. I mean, every time I get to hear about astrology, my ears perk up. I feel like I'm meant to take a course or something, but that is so helpful to know because once we start to have this understanding of what's going on cosmically and around us, it's just like, oh, okay. Everything is just like everything that's happening makes perfect sense. Beautiful. Well, that's the thing about it is that it's like, it's actually all happening and we're actually, we just don't have the words for it. And so like, that's the most amazing thing about studying astrology is that it gives you the words to understand the feelings that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's so true, Raquel. Okay. Um, I want to journey back to your tea practice as well. Like what drew you to like having tea in the mornings and the evenings? And is there like ancient wisdom that comes in there? Like what inspired you to pay more attention to like a tea practice? Yeah, well, um, I've been loosely into tea, um, I think since it really came into my awareness in a more kind of ceremonial kind of way, um, starting back in 2013, um, because that was the first year I went to Burning Man, and I went by myself and, you know, had this friend who was like, yeah, you can stay in my RV. And it was just kind of this, I didn't know what camp he was at or what the camp was about or whatever, but, um, the camp ended up being soft landing, which, uh, has a tea house. And so they have the full circle tea house and they are, um, they're serving gongkucha. So it's a little bit different than the type of tea that the style of doing it this way and I'm still just learning like I'm really 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 just learning so um so that kind of piqued my interest and then um one of my sisters who was in that Burning Man camp Rachel Rosito um has I've been you know we've been swimming together over the years and I've witnessed her evolution and I remember her taking a trip to Taiwan to the global heat global tea hut um, sanctuary there where they grow the tea and um, offer classes and drink tea and it's you just get to be in the experience of it and I think just more and more people in my world are starting to get into tea um, and uh, and chow dao which is like the way of tea and so and I was really yeah like how how do you live like the way of tea you know and and so coming from my background as an acupuncturist, I had this, uh, you know, Chinese influence from being a Chinese medicine practitioner. And then um, in the gene keys, actually, uh, my primary gene key that is my sun, moon, and not my sun, my ascendant, and my mercury, and it's my life purpose is being. And so I, it's been a a conundrum where I'm like, my life purpose is to be like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) And so 
so it was really kind of like you know there's this concept of wu wei which is like the the path of non-doing mm. and uh, and that's very much you know connected to uh tea meditation tea ceremony and so yeah it just kind of felt like maybe this would be a doorway and 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 it, it really is just like i feel like a love affair i'd like just happened that actually my friend uh, Achintia, goddess rising, she gave me, um, this is some really beautiful string poir, um, for my birthday. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, tea is coming to me. Mm-hmm. And so I got a little teapot and I started to, to dabble. And then right now I'm listening to the audiobook tea medicine and by Aaron Fisher and I want to cry sometimes. It's so beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. All right, my friends, popping in for a moment to chat with you about my one-on-one mentorship offering. So this is a private, intimate, one-on-one series with me for seven weeks, and it's all about changing a habit and really working toward a specific goal that you have. So within these seven weeks, we are, of course, covering habit and routine formation, goal identification and attainment planning, EFT tapping for confidence, guided visualization meditations that are, you know, personalized for you, energy clearing rituals, and you're also going to get support from me via text and email throughout the week. So this is a really amazing opportunity to really up level, show that love and honor and respect for yourself and really take it to the next level. So if you are someone who has been struggling with overcoming a particular habit or a pattern in behavior, this might be the perfect opportunity and container for you to really break through that and bring into reality that highest self that you've been calling in for so long. So head over to helendunham.com slash mentorship and you can book a call with me and I'll walk you through what to expect. We can get to know each other. Really looking forward to getting to know you more deeply. And thanks for listening. Back to the show. Yeah, there seems to be this underlying like, yeah, I love that you describe it as a form of meditation and the way of tea just like hit a nerve that was like really perfect. Like the way of tea, like it's, it is a way of being like, it seems like it's very much in tandem with your gene key to just be and to enjoy almost to and, and like indulge in the pleasure of just existing. And maybe tea is a, a, a key to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's like this, this, this beautiful book, tea, tea medicine, um, really shares so much about the importance of, of drinking living tea too, mm. you know, because it's like, there are tea plantations where the tea that's grown there is actually just cloned. You know, it's just like a, 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 I don't know if it's grafted, but it's like a branch of a branch of a branch of a branch of a branch. And actually the tea plant, when it makes seeds, each seed is actually the genetic code for a totally different tree. Like Mm -hmm. they're all unique. And uh, so there are, I think the oldest tea trees are like 3,500 years old. Mm. And, uh, but the teas that are grown on the plantations will actually be only maybe like 50 years, 100 years at the most. And so it's just really important to drink living tea and to know what that is. Um, And that book will definitely help describe what that is. But 
one other thing that I'll say too is that that really stuck out to me was that there's the story of Shennong, who was this emperor who lived in the woods. And I remember hearing about Shennong when I was in acupuncture school. He's like the the father of the Chinese materia medica. And you know, he like lived in the forest and got poisoned like 42 times, but always found the antidote. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about the story of him and tea and that he was boiling water in the forest and the tea leaf under a tea tree unknowingly and the leaf fell into the pot of boiling water and made tea. And so it's this really amazing story that the plant reached out to humans and Mm. wanted to engage with humans. And so just the the availability of its medicine to us. And they talk about that, you know, compared to ayahuasca and how it's really, we know, and I've done a lot of work with ayahuasca and it's like, you know, you have to go in her world and it has to be on her terms and it takes a while to integrate after that. But tea is really like, almost like they say it wants to be human. Mm. And uh, so it, and its lessons are immediate and you can begin to apply them every day. And so, yeah, like I said, I'm swooning. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing because, you know, I love what happens with these conversations because we can talk about something that many of us would think is, oh, simply just tea, just something you drink. There's this whole beautiful history behind it and this kind of alchemical process that happens and the connection to nature and, all this wisdom. So that's so beautiful. And I'm also hearing you talk about water in a really beautiful way. It seems like you have a very deep connection to the element of water. You talk a lot about Lumeria, right? So can you tell us what your connection feels like to water and why you're drawn to it so much? Mm. Well, another love story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, in this life, you know, my mom taught me to swim when I was three months old. So, and I was on the swim team, I was a lifeguard, like all the things. And, um, but I think, you know, even more ancient story than that is, you know, I feel like that, and it's not even, I feel like it's like, it is. Water is our most ancient ancestor. You know, it's like when you think, all of the water on our planet is all of the water that has ever been here. And so literally, and you just think of the, right, we think water is connected to emotions and you think of the compassion, the holy compassion (laughs) that water has for us, having witnessed the rise and fall, death and rebirth of countless civilizations and enduring all of our tantrums and uh, uh, desecrations of of her and still continuing to offer herself in relationship to us you know and so it's like that's something to be in awe of and uh, and also it's like water also teaches us about multi-dimensional reality right? Because water is able to exist in three forms. You know, it it is, it goes from a gas to a solid and a liquid. And, you know, if you have ice melting on a warm day, it's all three of those things in the same moment. And, uh, 
and when we think about it, that, that the air that we breathe is not only air, it's filled with water. You know, it's like, even if you're in the desert, there's still some water in the air. And so when you combine that with the remembrance that all the water is all the water that ever was like, you can literally tap in through the water matrix. That's what I like to call it. And breathe in the same water molecules that were in the bowl when Mary Magdalene was washing the feet of Yeshua. You know, it's like, oh, like, you know, and that was the same water that we were singing to and building temples with in Lemurian times. And, you know, it's like, it's all, it's all here. It's all here. And so, yeah, like, water is coming out of my eyes. <laughs> wow. Oh my, what an extremely powerful vision. I feel like you just unlocked something in my like DNA to remember that like we, what we're drinking and consuming, like our ancestors for millennia, it's been, it's been in other people's systems and animals and plants. It's like, we are, it's like our ultimate connector. Oh, That's absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like, We've got the, the Buddha in the glass right here. <laughs> Literally. And I love that you're talking about it as part of our breath and our breath, you know, holding water codes and all of that, because yeah, of course that's our, that's our like access to, to living in this body as well. And it's still connected to water. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what is your understanding of Lumeria? Like for people who have never really, um, in delved into this like what is your understanding of lumeria and your connection to lumeria well i think always before we start this conversation it's important to place ourselves where we are and to understand that right now we are in a third dimensional linear time construct and so a lot of what might you know, come from talking about Lemuria is um, contradictory uh, to itself and to our reality right now and to our consciousness right now. And so it's just like, let's all just take a grain of salt before we start. (laughs) Um, And so, and there's multiple, there's, there's multiple versions, you know, you hear, different stories from different people uh talking about lemuria and talking about atlantis um i know for myself i was there for both um and so and and i'm not i think one of the most important things when we get into talking about these ancient timelines for which we at this moment have no documentation of um physical documentation of that it's really important to um, to allow for multiple truths to exist and to not like be like this is the truth and none of these other stories are true because this is the truth um, and a por- an important part of that is actually based on what reality was back in those times um, and uh, so in in the in during those times it was like we were not 
we were not so bound by the third dimension. And so literally like shape shifting was a thing. You know, we talk about shape shifting now and it's kind of like you might be having a conversation with someone like, whoa, I see you shape shifting, but it's like literal, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> shamanic merging with other other realities other beings you know that's even they talk about right the silky uh that was you know this beings who could transform from being seals in the water mermaids and then you know being human um and so and even in the hawaiian the the lineages of, of hawaii like you know my brother keoni hanalei i always want to honor and acknowledge him and bring him into this conversation is that you know he's his lineage is um, Mu, and which you know is pre-Polynesian uh, Hawaiian, and so um, so he tells the story, you know, that it was when the people of of Lemuria knew that the fall that the ocean was going to rise, the fall was going to occur, that they some of them knew that their time wasn't complete you know that they still needed to stay in this dimension other of them transferred into other dimensions and so but those who wanted to stay in this dimension actually merged into stone and so that that's also where the hawaiian belief that the stones are their ancestors comes from so uh still so there's but i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> so if we want to talk about you know linear timeline try to say what was lemuria okay so once upon a time a long time ago <laughs> there was a land in the middle of the pacific ocean that was very very big and uh and there were people who lived there who were in deep communion with the earth lived in deep reverence for each other had would spend afternoons in dialogue with flowers and just lived in this really open-hearted really heart really heart connected to the earth kind of way and um and during that time uh extraterrestrials many people say they were the pleiadians came and um offered to amplify the reality of those people and so they very very slowly over time began to uh mate with with the people who were the original inhabitants of this land mass and uh, and that brought like a higher state of consciousness into into their awareness and so so it's really kind of like when was lemuria when did that happen relative to it's like you can get into all different kinds of overlapping realities but so for the succinctness of our story here there was an island that was in the middle of the pacific that contained a highly evolved civilization that was galactic and also very deeply connected to the earth and then some people say after some people say simultaneously there was also another civilization that developed in the atlantic ocean and that was the civilization of atlantis and and from what i feel is that they existed concurrently and uh, and some of the people even traveled 
you know, there was a, uh, there was a relationship between these two civilizations and, and, and it's even kind of like, you know, like how far back and what timelines and when was what, but, you know, it's even there's stories that, you know, it depends on how deep you want to get into it, but it's like, you know, that the Anunnaki came and that they, this was even before Lemuria, that the Anunnaki came and that they wanted to mine the gold from the earth. And so they actually set up their encampment in Africa. And, and that's where we get the history that we all came from Africa. Um, and, and so, but speeding up a little, so there was this encampment from the Anunnaki mines in Africa and then, you know, this is the story of Enlil and Enki. And then, en, you know, an Enlil can be like Prometheus gave the humans fire or gave them liberation, gave them self-awareness to not be slaves, enslaved in the gold mines. And they were kicked out. And this is the whole story of leaving the Garden of Eden. And they were kicked out and they went and they created Lemuria. So it's kind of like ooh, swirling stories. And, you know, so that's where we get into this. Um, and and then when it came time that the Lemur the Lemurians were aware, like they knew that humanity had to go through an initiation and that the frequency that they held was actually not conducive to that initiation. And so they actually decided to remove themselves from that reality as as a a gift <laughs> you know it's, it's hard to think of a gift like our gift is to remove ourselves and not help you through the fall <laughs> um, but you know it's kind of like sometimes you need to learn lessons on your own and and so then they remove themselves and then you know also too the lemurian frequency not being in this reality and anymore also was what allowed the Atlanteans to go into their experiments and really want to strive for control and to create the cataclysmic rip that caused the traumatic sinking of Atlantis. And then the Atlanteans, some of them dispersed and went to Egypt. And then there's, you know, all of these. So, so many of the indigenous cultures of the world are, are, are these fractals of Lemurian and of Lemurian experience of a Lemurian culture, Lemurian civilization. So, um, and that's, you know, as much as we know, but I think there was even stories before that, you know? So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I love that parallel that you drew as well between Lemuria and Atlantis as being kind of sister existences, like in the oceans. I had never thought about them on the same kind of path like that, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. What a beautiful story. I just love it. And then what, so in Lemuria, they decided to kind of exit and leave for the involvement of humanity to kind of leave. And then what do you think led to the quote unquote downfall of Atlantis? Like what made that rip occur? They're messing with sound. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like in the Hebrew tradition, like there's the unspeakable name of God, like you don't say it. Um, and, uh, and like the removal of all of the vowels from many of the ancient languages. Um, and, and I think, you know, part of that is because of what happened in, in Atlantis, you know, like they, they were trying to create the sound that sparked all of creation. And 
that is not part of the experiment. <laughs> and so because they were, because that, that sound isn't actually uh, concurrent with this reality when they tried to bring something that is not aligned with this reality into this reality caused a fracture like a rip the time space continuum you know it's like literally mm. um yeah i've heard shaman durek talk about this too and about the sound experiments and it almost creating like a huge tsunami and like that sunk the islands um, yeah it's such an amazing story. I love it. So when did you start to feel like these initiations and these rememberings were happening for you? Was there like a moment that you just started to get really curious about this history and, and start to get to know it more? Like what happened for you there? Well, I don't remember when I first found out about Atlantis in this life. You know, I think like growing up as a mermaid in Kentucky (laughs) as much as one can. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, it's like, I, I always, I always knew about Atlantis. Maybe it was like, you know, some kids TV show or something, you know, I remember like there was a cartoon, the lost city of gold and um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I actually just remembered this book in the, in this past year, I remembered the picture on the cover of this book. It was one of my favorite books that I had when I was a little girl that, and I didn't like know what the name of the book was or anything, but I, through Google image search found this pic and I got the book back and it's a book about a girl who almost drowns and she has past life memories of being in Egypt. And so then she's on this whole mission to like, remember these lifetimes from Egypt. And I was like, I was reading that. (laughs) Um, Mm. And so, uh, so yeah, so I feel like, you know, I always, I always had some awareness of Atlantis. Um, And then it was, I had a really big time of awakening um, around 2013. that was 10 years after I had uh, done a vision quest program when I was 22 and healed myself of an autoimmune disease that I used to have. And that was also when I um, took LSD for the first time. And uh, then I went to Burning Man that same year. And then I started working with um, one of my dear teachers who um, was also an Ayosquero. And so, and started that mentorship. And um, so it was in that time, um, I had lots of, um, we had lots of conversations, me and my teacher about Lemuria. And also, um, that was also around the same time that I got introduced to spirit science. And they have a whole uh, human history movie that talks about Lemuria. Mm -hmm. And, And at the same time, I was also getting all of these pulls to come to Hawaii. And it was so bizarre to me because I didn't really know anything about Hawaii. You know, it was like, we had some like rich neighbors and they went on a cruise and I was like, 
I don't know. It seems like Disneyland for grownups. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which is like 100% not what it is. <laughs> um, and I had also done um, a marine biology class that involved going to the Bahamas for two weeks when I was in college. And so I was kind of like, you know, if I'm going to do a tropical island situation, I'm going to think more, you know, Atlantic. Um, and so it was really strange when all of this stuff about Hawaii started coming to me. And, you know, it was like, it was, it was so, the, the, the signs just kept compounding until one day I was doing meditation in my room and I'm living in San Francisco. I hear the mail come in through the mail slot. And I was like, there's something in there, something important in there. And so then I got up, finished my meditation and got up and I, there was a, a letter or like a postcard from the Westin in Lahaina <laughs> here in Maui. And it was like all inclusive cocktails and golf. And, you know, I was like, well, I don't need cocktails and golf, but it was a price that I could afford. And I was like, okay. So I said, I said, okay. I told the universe, I was like, show me how, you know, and like two days later, my ex-boyfriend uh who had lived on the big island for a while but then went back to kentucky texted me and said hey i'm moving to maui and i'm flying through san francisco we should hang out and i was like i'm coming with you and he was like oh, okay well i don't i don't actually know maui i haven't been there yet but you know he lived on the big island so he said let's do the big island and then i'll continue and you can go back and so we did a whole mission you know and just it was he was really great he was just like you know look at the map follow your intuition and so like i did you know grid work in ypo valley and had so many visions and it you know it was it was just a really really powerful moment um and then i came back and i was like okay cool spiritual check. <laughs> I did, I did what they asked me to do. I'm going to go back to my acupuncture practice and, you know, continue. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then the signs started again. And I, I love this story of this, like, you know, I was walking my dog in San Francisco. It had been recycling day. So there's like little bits of newspaper and trash things floating around. And so there was this piece of newspaper that was skittering along the sidewalk following me. And I was like, that's weird. And I kept walking. <laughs> and then it kept following me and I was like, okay, it's like a piece of trash. I should probably pick it up, but I didn't, I kept walking. And then it kept following me and I was finally like, what is this? And I picked it up and it was actually opened it and it's a full page advertisement for a hotel on the big island so i was like okay i know how the universe works upside down and backwards because i listened to carolyn miss <laughs> <laughs> and so last time the invitation came from maui and then i went to the big island and then this time the invitation comes from the big island now i'm gonna go to maui and so i was just like okay and then as time went on, it became more clear that it wasn't just for a, a, a trip, you know, that it was like, I was actually like being called to come there. Like I, I was having all kinds of dreams and, and like, you know, it's like simultaneously, I was, I still was working with my uh, teacher 
And so I was mentoring with, with plant medicine of ayahuasca. And in all of the ceremonies that I sat with different teachers, the only medicine I ever drank was from the big Island, like mm-hmm. never have anything from Peru. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like always that medicine. And, and so it was like, I felt like my relationship with Madrecita and also my relationship with the spirit of this land, the Aina was very interwoven. And so like, I was having full on visionary dreams of this woman like coming to me and like, not she didn't have a lay but she placed her arms around me in the motion of of putting a lay on and I remember I heard the words come Aina and at that time I didn't know what that meant and I looked it up and I was like you get a discount because <laughs> that's what they say here you know if you live if you live on the islands you get the Kama Aina <laughs> and but it, you know it means child of the land And I don't say that in any kind of way of being in disrespect, you know, but like that was literally, it's just verbatim what happened in my dream. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, it ended up taking me two years to organize myself, but, and, and all in concurrence with all of this, you know, the trip to the big Island, like I took two Lemurian crystals and like, you know, that was a grid work that I did. And I was like, driving across the island from Hilo's side to Kona's side singing a Lemurio like let it in you know like let it in and really like wanting and calling for like that remembrance to to come through um and so and never I never moved here like the idea you know I was just like okay like do to do you know and at that same time I was also working with Kaya Ra um, who wrote the Sophia code and, you know, having sessions with her and she connected me with, um, uh, Kahuna Kalei, which has since made her journey back to the light. And, uh, but she was living on the big Island and she, and Kaya was like, you need to, you need to find Auntie Kalei. You need to connect with her. And, and then she ended up sending her her website <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. She's the savvy auntie. <laughs> Um, but on the website, there was a picture of her that was the photo credit was Lee Carroll and Lee Carroll is a channel for Cryon and Cryon talks a lot about Lemuria and the Pleiadians and, and that so many of us are, are being reborn into different races and into different lineages. Um, and that's actually something that Keone says that his tutu, his grandmother talked about that there would be. A, a wave literally of people who would not be Kanaka, who would not be Hawaiian, you know, who would come. Um, and they, and it would be that the, 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 uh, the, the people who would be embodying the energy of those beings that used to inhabit the Island of Lemuria or the Island of Mu or Mu would be fractaled. And so it's so beautiful to see black people remembering, Asian people remembering, all kinds of people from all different walks of life. We have a full spectrum in the school. And so, but yeah, so that's been kind of my small kind (laughs) story of my my connection to, to this land. And yeah, I feel like I'm, 
really here in service, you know, mm. that it's like try to malama the aina as much as possible. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I love all the signs that came through for you. Like just come on, it's time to go. Time to go to the islands, time to go to Hawaii, like right there for you. That's really beautiful. And is there anything, was this coming through in your ayahuasca ceremonies as well? You kind of touched on that as well, that you had these messages coming through. What was your ayahuasca experience like? There were, I mean, it was multidimensional. There were so many different things, but, um, there were times when I would just cry because of the, the separation, mm. you know, it's like of not being able to be with the whales and be with the dolphins for so long. And, um, it was, it was always about like, sometimes it was more Pleiadian and sometimes it was more Lemurian, but it was always about memories of being here and memories of being with the plants and being with the waters in that way. And, um, and, and then when it came time, you know, it was like the last time I sat with her was in 2017 on the big Island. You know, that was actually my, I, I did sit one time here on Maui before that. Um, and both of those ceremonies were, or all of those ceremonies were much more uh, subtle mm -hmm. than what I had been experiencing before. And, you know, really it was kind of like when I was on the big island, she was really specific, you know, she was just like, she almost like packed me into my body. And, you know, she was very specific about, I had to have this mudra of like, almost like buttoning your lips. Like, you know, my top lip had to just touch my bottom lip in a certain way. And, and I was afraid, like I didn't want <laughs> to be in here, mm. but it was like, you know, every time she would show me a vision and then I would, <sighs> and then she would be like, Nope, take away the vision. Like you have to get back in there. Mm. And so she packed me back in and it was kind of like, we're done. We're done for now. Mm, and, wow. That made me emotional hearing you talk about that. My eyes were water. I was like, oh my gosh. It, I think a lot of us can, can resonate with that feeling of like almost homesickness for nature and for our connection to one another. But thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing these beautiful stories. It's so mm -hmm. amazing to hear your take on it and your, your deep understanding. So tell us about, like, I know you have like a Lumeria school. Is that what you call it? Tell us about how people can work with you and connect with you as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Lemurian School of Remembering, um, you can learn more about it on my website, which is rakael.com, R-A-K-A-I-E-L. And um, so that actually came through uh, during my Jupiter return. My, my astrologer was like, you've had an idea for something that is combining a bunch of different things and you need to go back and remember what that is. And, and I had had this vision of a retreat actually that was... I don't know if it was here or if it was like, cause now I have this bigger vision of, you know, I wanted to do this same retreat in uh, Rapa Nui and in Fiji and, you know, all of these Lemurian places, you know, and, um, but it was 
being on the islands, working with water, swimming with dolphins, you know, stargazing at night, astrology lessons during the day, you know, working with sound, working with colors, praying together, you know, talking to the ferns and meditations and sharing what we had, you know, it's like so many of these beautiful visions of all, basically it's like, I want to do all the things that I like to do with more people. And, and at that time I wasn't like ready to actually host a full on retreat, but I had been teaching online. And so I was like, okay, well I could, I could do this. Like doing a retreat sounds too scary right now, but I'll do like an online offering. And as I started writing the curriculum, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I was like, okay, so there's like no way that we could do this in three months. And then, so it turned into these different layers of the mm. school. So the first level of the school is remembering Lemuria. And that's, um, that, that's, that's like kind of like the core offering. We offer that three times per year. And then we have rising Lemuria is the second level. And then we have the Lemurian leadership experience, which is after that. And then in rising Lemuria, it's really all embodiment exercises you really help you ground it into your body. And then leadership is about how you actually take that out and serve. Amazing. And then your Instagram is at I am Raquel, right? Yes. My Instagram Raquel, thank you so much for being here. I just love All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And of course, everything we chatted about is linked in the description below. A couple more things on my end. If you are curious about cultivating a meditation practice or continuing an existing one, I'm teaching meditation a few times a week with Unplug, The Den, and Be Meditation. If you go to helendenham.com meditate, you'll find uh, my schedule and links to sign up for all these meditations. There are also a couple free meditations every month with Be Meditation, so keep an eye out for that. I also am very active on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore yay. And on my website, you'll also find links to lots of amazing blog posts. We've got more Q&A interviews coming up on the blog. And of course, you'll find my self-mastery course, Cultivating Confidence, is available there. And I also have a one-on-one -on -one mentorship seven-week series that's available for you if you want to apply for that. And just keep an eye out for more to come. So sending you so much love, blessings, have a beautiful rest of your day or your evening, wherever you are. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon.